Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts, uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms, Web3 and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our Platform Innovation Kit toolset and the Platform Academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit platforminnovationkit.com. And now, enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Platforms for Future. As always, my lovely co-host with me. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Matthias. And Natalie, today we talk about the German platform. So I make the introduction. Yes. We have two guests today. We have on the one hand side, Jens Knodel. He is head of platform engineering at Carusa Dataplace. And we talk about the Dataplace and the data marketplace as an innovation platform today. And our second guest is Matthias Naab. He is an ex-head of ecosystem engineering at Fraunhofer, and he worked very closely together with the team of Jens to launch and scale Caruso. So we have two experts here on digital data marketplaces today, and we will go into a deeper conversation with them, what it really takes a digital data marketplace to scale and to innovate. So welcome to our show, Jens and Matthias. Hello, thank you. and thank you for having us. So maybe we start with a very short introduction. Maybe Jens, you can give us a quick intro about yourself and what you are doing at Caruso. Yeah, hello everybody. My name is Jens. I'm responsible for our data marketplace, which is a platform we are operating at Caruso. It's in the area of connected cars. So we are providing telematics data, geoposition, mileage, crash information, fault calls in the car, everything that uh, a car might produce uh, relevant information. We are not uh, directly connected to the car, so the vehicle manufacturers are our suppliers. And the platform we are running is harmonizing the data and our customers then make use of, with, um, of the telematics data in their data-driven business models. Caruso is a small company, so we are currently uh, 25 employees. We are located in, in Germany, but we are operating in the European Union, or EU+, Plus, Norway, UK, Switzerland currently. And uh, we were founded in 2017. Back at that time, I was still at Fraunhofer, made a switch in October 2017 and was working together with Matthias back then, very closely on our project Caruso back then. Very good. And Matthias, maybe you can continue with introducing yourself. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm Matthias Naab and I was working uh, for many, many years for Fraunhofer Jesen in Kaiserslautern. And in the last years, I was heading the division for digital ecosystem engineering. We supported different companies from different domains in building up platforms, in uh, scaling platforms, creating the ideas for it so that successful ecosystems can be established. And in that time, I worked really a lot with Caruso in the beginning with Jens on our side and then Jens on the customer side. And we did this for several years and uh, 
started from the very beginning when there was even no company and then accompanied Caruso during the first years and had uh, more or less people from our side in the project. And that was always yeah, my duty to, to lead the project, to coordinate our current activities. And uh, since October last year, I'm not with Fraunhofer anymore. Um, I founded our own company. Its name is Full Flamingo, and it does something completely different. So we are in the sustainability area and also an ecosystem company, but that's not the talk of this episode today. But we already discussed it, so maybe we can invite you for another, another one. podcast yes. recording. <laughs> yes, in, in yeah. the future. Happy to do and, that. Um, And as you know, we, are, we love sustainability. That's why we are really interesting. And we cross our fingers that your new platform becomes really successful in the future. But let's go back to Caruso. Caruso, if I correctly understood, is a kind of innovation platform. So you bring data together, but you not use the data by yourself. It's more like you enable other ones. You enable other startups to use the data in a harmonized way to build on top new business models and be successful. Maybe Jens, could you uh, help us to better understand the origin? So what was the starting point for Caruso? Was it coming out of a bigger car manufacturing company or where was the starting point? Where, where, where does it come from? Yeah, Caruso um, basically started as an initiative from the automotive um, aftermarket. So our founding shareholders and uh, members of our um, shareholder board, big players in the automotive aftermarket. So we have uh, representatives from um, Continental, Bosch, uh, ZF, Scheffler, so big names. And uh, they all have the unified interest that they are interested in getting access to data, to vehicle data, to car data. So 2015, 2016, they uh, came up with this um, idea. And um, they also figured uh, it's better to um, have one company doing the job and enable competition on the use cases based on data, but not on the actual access to data. And that's uh, why we were started as a um, domain initiative um, to provide the access to data. Data of a connected car is um, very different depending on, on the different vehicle manufacturers. There are different um, data items available, different technical ways on getting the data. And since then, it's our job to um, yeah, provide access to, to car data and to, to simplify this access for our customers and our shareholders. So beyond the access, are you also harmonizing the data? Yep, it's um, harmonization of the data. It's also harmonization of the technical way for, for getting access to the data. We really uh, want to make it easy for our customers to, to use the data, to consume the data as their, their use cases need. So on the one hand, um, we, it's about the data itself. So for some vehicle manufacturers, we receive data in meters, like the mileage for others in kilometers, for others in miles. Or most of our customers, they also have um, multi-brand vehicles. So they have BMWs, Mercedes, uh, Fords, um, Peugeots among their customers in the fleets. And um, so they would like to have data in one common harmonized format. That's one thing we are doing. We are where we are arranging a unified data catalog, making sure that um, the data items satisfy the, the use cases our customers have. 
On the other hand, um, incoming inbound data from the vegan manufacturers is um, yeah, technically they're offering REST APIs, they're offering um, providing data by streaming technologies like Kafka, SQS, uh, Kinesis, um, some others also push data to, to a webhook uh, to us. And um, a lot of different technologies. Um, so far, every every vehicle manufacturer has provided a different um, way of getting to the data. So we are also um, harmonizing the technical way of getting access to the data so that our customers can consume the data um, in the way they would like to do or the use case required. For example, if you are in a banking company and would like to do uh, financing um, cars, then you are interested in, in the total value, which is based on the current mileage. And you do such an inventory use case um, once per week or once per month. Um, they would probably prefer to, to have a full API where you, a REST-based API where you can query for, for the data you're interested in and then get the data. For other use cases, like anything is happening to the car, like um, a, if you require roadside assistance or a crash is happening, you would, um, as a customer, be informed directly um, in order to take the, the appropriate actions for your end customer, the driver. Caruso there is um, a B2B company, so we are delivering data to our B2B customers car workshops, uh, roadside assistance companies, uh, insurance companies, uh, fleet operators, and these companies then have um, have the contact to um, to the end customers who is then actually driving the car. You mentioned that the origin came from an alliance of multiple companies uh, coming together and said, okay, we need this. Mm -hmm. So what was the reason for those companies to come together and not saying, okay, we maybe one, I can do this by myself. So why forming an alliance? Because of their history, they um, formed an alliance um, 25 years ago on uh, catalog data for spare parts company uh, called Tech Alliance. Um, And we were then, um, based on the success, they uh, followed the same approach for Caruso. And um, in the beginning, uh, Caruso was a project of Tech Alliance and then uh, was created as, as a spin-off in, in 2017. And um, that's why the initiative was probably, I'm thinking, uh, it very well back then. So let's uh, try to do it again with a different kind of data, in our case, um, telematics data. And uh, maybe also Matthias, as the expert here on ecosystems, how have you managed to go through this process to bring them together? So I understand they learned in the past, 20 years ago, forming an alliance is really a successful model. But applying it in a second way and a second time uh, for Caruso or the data marketplace, how have you done this? So what was your learning? How have you approached this? So what maybe can also our listeners learn uh, what is a good way to approach this kind of alliance strategy? I think they were in a somehow privileged position to do that because they learned a lot during these uh, 20 years although it was a different endeavor and a different goal. But they uh, already shared some common boards where they regularly met, where uh, the, the key people of these companies came together. And I think they uh, learned that no one of them would be 
able in the complete sense to do it alone. Of course, there would be players who would technically be able to do it uh, completely because uh, these large companies like Bosch, like Continental, they are, of course, very capable of doing things like that. But um, when they do it together, they come in a different situation also to the car manufacturers and uh, they don't compete on this field. And that was something that motivated them a lot to come together. Of course, nevertheless, you have to manage them into the same direction because they they have the same uh, abstract goal, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't achieve it in the same way. And so there was a lot of discussion going on uh, these five, six years ago. Um, how to really shape the goal, how to take everyone with us on this journey. And uh, yeah, that used a lot of time also to make explicit what it really uh, means in these early days, because as we also know by now, everyone has a different understanding what a digital ecosystem is, what a platform company is, how to make money in that. And of course, there is uh, always the tendency that everyone uh, wants to get a really good result for for his own company, which is also clear, but there needs to be this balance so that it's fair for everyone. And uh, that is something that has to be very actively managed. And it's in particular something that takes a lot of time because you always see different people also from the same companies because they have a really large employee base. And then uh, this meeting, this person comes next meeting, another person comes, then you tell the same story again. The story is not understood in exactly the same way, then you maybe tell it over months and months again to form really this idea where you in the beginning have the feeling that everything is clear and that this is your goal and your task. But nevertheless, you have to sharpen this over months or could even say years. Yeah, I think it's to me the greatest difficulty because the technical part, if I can say like that, like you said, of course, it's time and investment and development, but the human part <laughs> is more complicated. And I think the goal of having a neutral platform, of course, brings uh, trust for the users, B2B users, but getting there is quite complicated. And I understand totally why Matthias was asking this. How did you... Did you formalize this? Do you, are there like formal steps you have to get to through those years uh, to get to that point? Or is it quite informal? And how do you frame this? I think it's continuous effort. We didn't really um, have formal steps to achieve it. Uh, we were also in the beginning um, probably thinking it was easier uh, or should be easier than it actually was. So we were um, continuously involved in um, stakeholder management. So interviewing them, managing expectations, uh, working with them on their their use cases, their requirements. I mean, the good thing is um, on on the abstract level, everybody was agreeing to this idea and to our mission to get access to to car data. But when realizing it, when working on it, uh, we had many many discussions and. Um, it uh, was not so easy for a small 
group. We are still a small group of people um, to match uh, the high number of stakeholders uh, at the different companies. Uh, also, the working mode um, being a small company compared to the big players uh, is different. So it uh, took some time until uh, project teams as a counterpart to Caruso were set up at our customers. And um, so it's a continuous effort to make them aware of um, what is possible to really uh, convince them with um, exercises like a connected vehicle field test that we now are doing for the third time to show them uh, the data to have uh, prototypes or prototypical applications on what someone can do with the data that is available. So it's a long, um, yeah, it's not a sprint, it's a long marathon that um, we're still in the middle of. So this was the origin and it took a while and uh, you successfully achieved it. Now, the second part was about the technology, but I assume technology wasn't that complicated or I'm wrong. Uh, or was solving the technical integration with the APIs, etc. Was this a big challenge? I think the biggest challenge was really to move out of the chicken and the egg problem that was there in the beginning. So um, the real challenge was at the beginning, we didn't have um, too many vehicle manufacturers that were, were integrated. So we were uh, talking to them and, uh, yeah, bring us customers. Uh, then we are able to, to move forward and give you, share the data with you. Uh, what's your commitment on, on this? And on the other side, uh, customers were saying, show us that you have the data, that you are really able to deliver data for, for most connected vehicle. Um, so this was really a, a challenge where more of a challenge than, than the technical work. Um, technical work is also not too easy. But getting the technical platform right, I think, um, if you know what the requirements are, is is simpler than figuring out what the right requirements are and how the the use case can can look like. So we we spend a lot of time figuring out um, how our customers would like to uh, consume data, what the use cases they have, how the end user, um, so the customer of our customers, how the end users uh, will face it as we are sharing um, a platform for for car data, which is uh, also considered to be personalized data. So concept management is a very important topic that um, technically we have solved, but the question is how to convince then the customers of our customers to um, consent data sharing. What are the use cases that are really of relevance and interesting to our customers? And um, yeah, to to help and support um, our customers in yeah, prototyping these ideas uh, they have or the use cases they have in mind. This was really um, a good step. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we work closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. 
Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants. We are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. You mentioned the use cases. Do you actually curate uh, the use cases or moderate or validate? Uh, what's your implication on the use case side? Yeah, we are very active running a proof of concepts with our customers, seeing if the use case as such is supported by the data we have. If data update frequency and freshness are satisfying the needs with the experiences from, from different use cases, we can also help our customers to innovate faster because they benefit from the experience that we gained in the past years. We pretty well know what currently is working and what might work in the future. Being aware of the roadmaps of the different data suppliers is one key and also being engaged and involved in realizing the PUCs is a step um, that helps to gain um, acceleration at our customers. So, and uh, the PUCs are from their point of view, the right uh, means to also for them internally to show that um, their ideas are working or not working in the other case. And then also present something to the decision makers to decide how to move on with uh, car data in their respective area. Yeah, I would like to add something uh, here, Jens. Uh, when we look at the use cases, and that's even going beyond Caruso case now, very often in these data marketplaces, uh, you get the feeling in the beginning that if the data would be there, everything would flourish. Uh, everyone says, yeah, give me the data and we will make the greatest stuff out of it. And as long as no data is there, you can't prove them wrong. But as soon as the data is there, you see that it starts really, really slow. And as Jan said, it's exactly the right approach then to moderate and to help everyone to bring the pieces together and even to reason what could be the use cases, because very often companies even don't know what their use cases could be. And uh, this can be seen through all domains that we look at. And uh, in that sense, it's really important that these use cases are carefully looked at, but it's also very important that you are really serious about these use cases because we see, and that's not from the Caruso case, but from others, many examples where companies explain something to be a use case only to have something, and then uh, they make a list of use cases, but None of these use cases is a good representative of the whole thing and the platform and this ecosystem. And uh, the result is that uh, the list gets longer and longer, but you don't get the platform started because everyone is going into the wrong direction just to make a check mark. And that we can see in particular in a lot of publicly funded projects where everyone feels the duty to have a use case, but not the real pressure to make it successful. And uh, I think there a lot of uh, things went really well in the Caruso case where the people involved had really the commitment to do something serious and something valuable uh, with their data and to create really use case. Of course, not everything is successful in the end, 
but to start in a way that is promising and where you can't directly say, yeah, this is nonsense, uh, please leave it. That's a very important starting point to get it into the right direction. Yeah, I think this is a really, really good point here. Very often people think if I'm a kind of a corporate startup, I have enough money and they are publicly funded, then they have enough money, a longer runway, so they can rest a bit and focus on building some proof of concepts, but not really feeling the pressure to create a successful business model and creating some kind of revenue streams. And this is the advantage of startups. They have less money, so they need to focus on that right at the beginning, right from the start um, and to focus on. And the second part is what you also mentioned is about working very closely with the demand side, right? So you, and especially in a B2B platform, it is really important from a strategic point of view to work very closely with the demand side to understand also the pain points, the needs, et cetera. And as you said, you went one step further, so not only with the demand side, but also with the customers of the demand side. So you really involve the whole chain from an end customer perspective, understanding everything. And um, this led to some successful cases. Have you used those cases as reference cases to create a kind of a network effect, same side network effect on the demand side so that you could go to other companies and say, look here, this is a very successful use case. Uh, it also created a successful business. Now we know how it works. Are you further interested to work with us? So could you use this to kind of stimulate the network effect on the demand side? Yeah, the reference cases help us basically in, in two ways. On the other, on the one hand, it's as you rightly said, uh, on the demand side to to convince um, other players into working with us. But also, it helps us on the supply side uh, where we are talking to the large players, the vehicle manufacturers. It also helps us to to show that the data they are offering really is useful. As I initially said, um, the landscape on what kind of data is provided is fragmented. Um, seeing or for one vehicle manufacturer, seeing that a use case is working with a different brand, it's a great motivation to check internally to make the same data points available or to work on, on the technical quality of the data offering. So um, update frequency and things like that. So it, um, these uh, successful references um, actually help on, on both sides. And uh, I think the, the key point is to have a positive uh, success story in each and every customer group and each and every focus group to really um, create that momentum that um, then drives things uh, forward. Jens, you mentioned several times update frequency. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's not... Uh, real-time data coming in. Is it a static data? Is it uh, updated every month? Is it, uh, or is it real-time? No, it's actually real-time data from connected cars driving around on the streets. Okay. And depending on the vehicle brand or the respective supplier, it's, it's really real-time. So we are getting data every second or in some cases also less than a second. For others, it's snapshot data where we will get a snapshot every time the engine of the car is turned on or turned off. And yeah, for some of the use cases, like a, a pay how you drive use case for an insurance company where you provide scoring on the driver behavior, engine on and engine off is not sufficient to calculate the score. So you need real-time data on geoposition, acceleration, vehicle speed in order to come up with a proper scoring of the driver behavior. 
These are key differences between the different vehicle manufacturers that we are currently consuming data from. But what I said um, earlier, if uh, one vehicle manufacturer starts to innovate by offering a higher data quality and the others then see that this brand is supporting more use cases, uh, then I think it's a good argument to invest into the quality, meaning the update frequencies, so the freshness of the data also for other suppliers. I would like to add a little bit on that, in particular, again, with respect to what different types of data platforms are there, because they often are mixed up as well. So if you look at data platforms and data marketplaces, you sometimes get everything mixed into one pot and then there are data marketplaces that are really static. So that means you have a marketplace and you can go there and you can download complete data sets with description and then you see yeah this is for example a data set about a population in some country and then you get this and this and that data and you pay for it and this is in strong contrast to what is in the caruso data place here because we have this marketplace on the one hand where you can find what kind of data is there for which car and um, how can that be consumed and how can it be accessed And uh, then you have the runtime and at the runtime, you get all this live data with different update frequencies. And this makes it way more complicated to build the thing also technically because you have to drag down the data to the concrete vehicle. Yeah, you have to manage the whole fleet and there are all these cars which have to be identified uh, uniquely. And this is a completely different story than other data marketplaces. Very good point. Question is, now you're on the market for some years, uh, what are the top one, two, three use cases? Maybe you could also say this is something providing a bit of a pattern. So if you build up an innovation platform, an innovation data marketplace or data space where others can build business models on top of, so what would be one, two, three really successful use cases? Depends a bit on the domain. So I would say for insurance companies, it's really um, first notification of loss. Insurance companies uh, would like to be informed about possible uh, car accidents that have happened to, to their customers and would like to receive data about the vehicle at and before accident time. Um, today, For cars that are not connected, the insurance company is waiting for a call and then can reactively start the claims management process. It will ask you questions like, where are you right now? What's the current mileage um, of the car? And uh, ask you a lot of information. With a connected car, it's possible that the car itself provides an accident event to the insurance companies. And also with the additional data, the insurance company knows where the person is located, knows uh, the current mileage to figure out remaining value of the car and they can actively contact the customer in order to start the claims management process and they save a lot of time and effort because they have the data available from a end user point of view if i'm contacted by my insurance companies and um, they can assure me that everything is taken care of uh, that the repair of my car is handled I would be very happy in this situation. So it's also from the point of their customer, a very convenient feature to be contacted and that I don't know, I don't have to look up the, the phone number of the insurance companies after I had had an, an accident with my car. So this is in, in the insurance company. I think one of the top use cases that we are working on or we are realizing together with the insurance companies. 
for fleet management, it's basically maintaining information, up-to-date information of the car. Things like uh, where's the car located, uh, what's the current vehicle holds to avoid downtimes to make sure that um, the car is properly fixed. And also to keep information like uh, a logbook. Um, yeah, Matthias knows uh, back then at Fraunhofer we had a paper-based logbook and there were cases where I spent early in the morning when I had to, had to go on a business trip, five to 10 minutes looking for this paper-based book. I think these are things that fleet operators uh, with connected car data can fully automate. And it's very convenient for, for the driver of the car and also for the fleet operator to be informed about the current health status of the car to make sure that everything is all right. And last but not least, in case of car stops working, if I have a warning slide while I'm driving, uh, remote diagnostics is also a very interesting use case that is interesting to, to car workshops and roadside assistance companies as well. So I think these are the top three use cases that um, there are a lot of more, but I think these three are the main use cases. And uh, Matthias, you mentioned different kind of data marketplace or data platforms. And uh, I remember correctly in the past, there was also a lot of extreme predictions by consulting firms about data platforms, data platforms is the future. How would you see this today? So after some years with a data platform, you know the market very well. You also maybe know about the future. So how would you say is the current status of those data platforms in the market and how do you see the future of them? What we can definitely see retrospectively is that things were not growing as fast as they were predicted. Jens said the early years was uh, 2016 or so. When you look at the numbers, how many billions of euros should be earned now in this year or the next years from uh, that data and the services, it completely didn't come like that. Many of us also had at that point in time, uh, six years ago, the feeling that this would be too optimistic, but uh, you never know exactly how it develops. Now, retrospectively, we can definitely say it went really, really slower. And also from the competitor platforms, they also didn't get that fast growth as they would have expected to get. But Nevertheless, I would say there's absolutely not the point to say that this growth can't come in the nearer to midterm future. It's only developing way slower than everyone had predicted by then. But you can't say this is a failed concept or this will not work or there are some impediments that will never go away. That's absolutely not the case. More and more vehicles get connected by the manufacturers. In general, you can access the data. In general, you can provide use cases. You maybe need more convincing use cases to the end customer so that they are really able and want to finance that also because there is still a lot of money in this overall industry. But if you look at the things that BMW did, so this has nothing to do with Caruso directly, but they are selling their features on demand, so to say. Everything is built into the car, like seat heating or something like that. And then uh, you can activate it for a month or a year or something like that. And people don't seem to receive it very well at this point in time. That's a lot more discussion than we have time now. But there's uh, definitely the question how to monetize that in the sense so that people get motivated to really pay for that service. And who is actually paying for this service? Is this the end customer or is this the service provider because they get some better situation and save some money that they can spend on that data? And I think 
there's still a lot of movement in this area and a lot is possible but i would be now careful to make some more predictions here i was also careful six years ago and let's see where it goes but it definitely will go up the question is how fast Yeah, again, it's not a technical question. It's a human question, whether it's upstream for companies to get together, to put their data together, and then downstream uh, for the users or the end uh, customers to adapt their mindset to new uses, new usages. So it's uh, an evolution, but it will, I agree with you. I think it will come. Yeah. I think we're also coming to a bit of an end. So I think we touched a bit uh, on the origin, did uh, your use cases, and also that um, not every data marketplace or data platform is the same. So it's also there are differences and also how you solve the chicken and egg problem. And I think you're on a very good way to become really, really successful. So maybe we can also invite you again in the future, maybe in one, two years to check where you are then and also maybe how are other data platforms in the market evolved or maybe established themselves. And also as Matthias, as you have your own platform, maybe we can also talk about this one, the, the Flamingo. <laughs> uh, but we always conclude our podcast with an ask for an advice. So maybe Jens, you could start a short advice you would like to give to our listeners, maybe a major learning you went through or something else from a leadership perspective, what others should know about. Yeah, I think one advice I would like to give 10 small steps are more than one big step. So try to decompose your journey into a lot of small steps and you're seeing that you're making progress and you should test and validate these small steps with your customers or within your ecosystem. And I think this is... Um, The lessons uh, we learn so many more steps will, will bring you somewhere it's probably not the place where you thought you would be at the beginning so you have the possibility to turn left and turn right and things evolve the environment evolves and i think uh, this is a way really to approach platforms and ecosystems in general you have to start somewhere and then make small steps that um, try to shape the ecosystem and uh, engage others in, in joining the ecosystem so i think um, this would be my advice to other ecosystems out there thank you and you matthias I would go into a similar direction with a different focus. If you have many people in the beginning and they all think they share the same goal and they make the impression to have a very good understanding what that ecosystem and the platform will be, don't believe so. So typically there's not this shared understanding and be the one who works on that and works on that and tries to clarify and to tell the same story again and again and to cut it into smaller pieces and to shape it and refine it, as Jan said. And that will take you over a pretty long time to a shared understanding and a crisp story. So true, so true. <laughs> I think we can underline this a uh, hundred times. Yeah, thank you very much, Matthias and Jens, for joining. It uh, was a pleasure to learn more. Yeah, let's keep in touch. And thank you very much. And we cross fingers that you can continue with your successful journey. Thank you. And thank you for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you a lot.